And before we move on to our next story, that brings us to our everyone's favourite weekly segment. How's the Brewdog Brisbane Brewery going? <laughs> Matt, your update. I haven't driven past it for a are week you, or two. Are, are, you, are you taking to wearing disguises now so the old mate in the high-vis vest and clock you and go, this bloke again, taking photos, what's going on here? Is this a security risk, you know, what's going on? And thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it's going to be back in the chair that was kept so beautifully warm by the guru from Totem Marketing, Zoe Ottaway. Or Zozo, as I believe I'm uh, supposed to refer to her now, according to communications from, uh, from our producer. Um, but it gives me great pleasure to welcome, first of all, to my right, as you're listening, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. And uh, it's a good brews week in the heart of good beer week. Exactly. Yes, it's a, it's a nice synergy. Um, and it's look, it's exciting. Um, Melbourne, my hometown, so I I love it at the best of times. But but something very special, and very it's it's almost indescribable. Um, but something happens in the town, and I, I we'll get onto it in the in the news. But it, it's just a, a great place to be, and it really does show uh, just how good good people good beer people are oh, absolutely and you know i've been down now for a couple of days and i've been on the road for before before that and you know i'm sort of pacing myself because i'm, I'm a little it's a marathon bit, not a sprint matt it is it is and it's you know when you've got to work and you've got to be fairly sharp um it, it, it it's a tough week but more than anything the, the thing that i always find when i come to melbourne good beer week or outside of good beer week is it's the pubs down here um, and it, it really is a model for the rest of the country when you look at these great little pubs that um, I, I've been to a couple um, and the Palace um, where we've recorded South an episode Melbourne, previously. Yeah, Jess McGrath. And you, you jump out of your Uber, you, you look up and you see the big Carlton draft sign above it and if, if you saw a big Carlton draft sign or a big 4X sign or a big Great Northern sign in, in Brisbane, you just go, not for going in here. Um, but you walk in there and... You know, you've got mainstream beers coexisting with some great craft beers um, in in a really nice, welcoming environment, and it's to, no to judgment. Me it's, no, no judgment, and 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 it, to, to me, it's it, it, you know we can man the barricades about um, what a beer list should be, but when you see really awesome beer coexisting with mainstream beer, so everybody feels welcomed and there's choice for everybody. Um, it's just such an exciting thing and I think you know coming from Brisbane where I am um, where you've got property developers wanting to build laneways to capture that little bit of Melbourne you know, just build some really awesome small pubs like you've, you've got here um, yeah, no exactly and to my left it gives me great pleasure to welcome the seat warmer extraordinaire from Totem Marketing Zoe Ottaway g'day Zoe thank you hello thank um, you very much for a great job last week I hope you uh, enjoyed the experience of, of co-hosting with Matt it was great. I know I didn't deliver on the pun, um, uh, the hey, standard okay. left. Hey, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't do marketing, <laughs> um, you know, double speak, and so you, do, you don't have to do puns, segues, or dad I'll gags. I'll just keep admiring. <laughs> uh, what we might do is uh, kick off this week before we get into the headlines with the reason that uh, Zoe was a uh, seat warmer extraordinaire, which was that I was called away, called away, uh, I was honoured to be one of uh, around 70 judges, I think, who um, had to get through nearly 2,500 entries in the Australian International Beer Awards, the 28th, I think, um, Australian International Beer Awards, the largest annual beer awards in the world, and also one of the few that does 
packaged as well as draft. Uh, and the and draft... The logistics involved in that. It is just unbelievable. Astounding. So this year, as I say, last year, I... I I'd have to go back and have a look or check with my good friends at the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria who convene the AIBAs, but I'm pretty sure we had 18, maybe 1,900 beers entered last year. So this, I think, is the biggest jump. We're close to 2,500, 27 different countries, 350 different breweries, and as I say, 70 judges from around the world um, to assess them give every beer uh, their best chance. And it was really terrific. We, uh, I think, 15, 15 tables of, of judges. Uh, and, yeah, like you say, it, it's... I'm, I'm, I guess, also doubly blessed because I also have the, the knowledge, of having been a steward, of, of just how difficult it is to get the beers out timely, the right beer, all the same pour, all those sorts of things. And when you think about, hang on, there's, there's a lot of packaged beer... Um, the logistics involved in that is, is just mind-boggling. So to everyone who, who volunteered their time um, and to Craig Bowen and Anya and the team out the back there uh, and to Michael Katoa uh, from the RESV who's uh, the um, competition organiser along with Kirsten Stubbings who um, was uh, her first AIBAs this year. Thrown in at the deep end a little bit with, with such a big task, but it, it went as smooth as smooth and can't wait till tomorrow night. Um, so I guess when you're listening to this, you'll already know all the winners, listeners, but um, really looking forward to find out uh, which cream rose to the top. Can't wait. Very exciting. But uh, yeah, and congratulations to all involved. It really is a, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a huge enterprise and it's a, it's a big night, but it's uh, in, in a lot of ways, good beer week probably wouldn't happen without the AIBA's being the gathering of the tribes. Yeah, as the flagship. And the reason for so many uh, judges to be over. Um, there's a little bit of talk, uh, and I guess you look at the Indies, uh, which is the Independent Beer Awards uh, for the IBA. You Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I think, are the award, uh, the judging, and then Wednesday night at the awards. So there's a little bit of um, conjecture, I guess, that you a brewer has to take two business weeks out of their business, one for judging, and then it's not... it's, it's an, it, the end of the next week when the awards are announced. So if you wanted to hang around for the awards or you wanted to do some good beer week stuff. So I wonder whether we could perhaps com- combine it, um, make it, you know, with technology and everything, it's not like you've got to sit down and, and pour through pages of handwritten notes to work out mm. which beer is the champion. These are the things that keep us occupied when we're not occupied That's with it. other things. Speaking of being very occupied, uh, Zoe, good beer week. We are So we're day six. Wednesday, as, as we record this, day six of Good Beer Week, which goes for, I think, 11 days now. Um, so I don't know whether we need to change it to GB, GBF. doesn't sound good, does it? Good Beer Fortnight. doesn't have the same, same time, no. Has your, I've caught up with you. Had a, we had a, a very brief chat and a bit of a beer on Friday night at the official launch. How, that was the, this joint. We're here at, at um, Beer Deluxe at Fed Square, and the joint was without any uh, hyperbole it was as full as a fat lady sock it was brilliant and um, yeah I I had the best night just catching up with people and putting names to faces Um, it was one of those where people come up and they go oh yours and you go I'm sorry I don't know you know no we haven't met I'm from Blit and you go oh good it's yeah that that takes some getting used to (laughs) but it was just so have have you found have you found your uh, reputation are you like have you found your um your your star is rising as a result of you know your meager association with these two idiots (laughs) on the other side of the table here um I am constantly getting surprised with people saying oh I know your voice it's so nice to know the face um I think for those that have done a podcast before would appreciate 
you know, often we're not face to face, we're on the phone to each other and it just feels like I'm having a chat with a couple of mates. So to then have people go, oh no, I've, I've heard you. Like it, it's hard to kind of quantify when you're just sitting in your kitchen table, just yeah, on your phone. So um, I love it. Like it's really, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, no, good beer week. Um, we were, um, my business partner, Kerry, and I were at a Two Birds event um, at the beautiful Agostino Cellars in Carlton last night. And we were j- just commenting on just how bloody brilliant Good Beer Week is. Um, obviously, Totem, we've positioned ourselves to work exclusively with um, Australian independent small producers. Um, most of our clients are in wine, beer and spirits. And we're just saying, like, wine, like, is just still white tablecloth, you know, red wine with red meat. It's all so predictable. And we're like, just how great Good Beer Week is and how great the Australian craft beer community is to just give things a go and just try different things and still deliver on what their base wants, but then be brave enough to keep trying new things and just bringing people into beer in a really fun, engaging way. And we're just saying how much we wish wine would just like follow suit. And we're trying to think of wine labels or wine brands that would do, you know, not even like a Moondog pro wrestling event, but, you know, just something a little bit. And we just couldn't think of um, brands that would do that. I guess that's one of the things, you know, I, I grapple with the difference between beer versus wine. Um, and, you know, 15 years ago when I first started doing beer tastings, there was this view that, you know, you try and get beer onto those white tablecloth settings to try and raise the, the value in it. But beer doesn't occupy that place. And even though we are seeing beer and food come together, and I had an, an amazing experience last night with Boat Rocker, um, and their food, but beer just doesn't carry the burden of pretense that wine um, does. And I think you know, and I've really tried to grapple with the differences between the two products to try and understand that. And it, to, to me, it does go back to the, the very earliest foundations for what the product is. You can only make wine once a year. Um, it, you, you make it up until recently when it became a lot more industrial, um, you only make it where the grapes are grown. So vineyards and uh, wineries are out in the country. They're places you go and visit. They're, you know, they have that romance, whereas beer has always been seen as a lot more industrial. You bring the ingredients to the cheap industrial park and make great beer, but that you can make the beer every day as opposed to once a year. So and it doesn't have that same cachet. It, it doesn't have that same cachet, but at the same time, it is just part of everyday life. It's, it's never been seen as the rich man's drink or um, a drink of moss. We can appreciate it more and we can take it more seriously. I, I think you would lose something from beer if it became too uppity. But by the same time, I, I, just going back to um, Zoe's point, I think that wine would really struggle to justify the price point um, that fine wine demands if you did make it a little bit more casual like beer. And here's something I want to ask you, Zoe, because you touched on uh, two birds and two stories about two birds. Uh, one, great to see that they have been uh, have hooked the beer sponsorship for Tough Mudder, which I think is terrific. But the other thing too, listening to um, Melbourne's highest rating breakfast program, 3AW Breakfast, and this morning they were doing a bit of a, a food review or whatever, and Kate Stevenson mentioned, oh, I was at the Hobson's Bay Yacht Club, which is you know, very hoity-toity, enjoying, she said, there was, they were talking about um, what are the best places to sit and drink, so what are the, the places with the best view, and she said, looking at the, the masts of the yachts at the Hobson's Bay Yacht Club over a pint of Two Birds Gold Nail. Who have, that. Yeah, who have the, the porridge rights at the, 
or at least a tap yeah. at the Hobson's Bay Yacht Club. So for them to meet, mainstream media to be just rolling that off as if this was just it's, one yep. of the best things, whereas previously it would have been a foaming pint of Peroni or you know a slim glass of or you it know, wouldn't have been maybe even beer. It was probably a, it was probably a you know a wet bottle yeah. of um, you know Heineken if we were, yeah. if we were lucky. So those two things I just think really just show that we are making inroads uh, and just getting that a bit more of that acceptance. Yeah, um, yeah and totally, and that's where. I think wine, I think it would be quite envious of what the craft beer category can do because we can do these amazing events where we're justifying why a beer bottle is 50 plus dollars because it has had all this barrel ageing and time in it just like wine gets. But then we can have fun with the more entry point stuff where wine still isn't doing that. Like definitely fine wine isn't going to associate itself probably with a pro wrestling event, let alone host one themselves. Exactly. the majority of wine drinkers aren't, spending $60 a bottle like on a Tuesday night they are you know in the you know sub 30 price points so there is a, still an opportunity for wine to get a little bit more fun and like break down the hoity-toity um where yeah I just I'm just really proud of the craft beer community where we're having that diversity in what consumers want and what can bring them into the world and what keeps them engaged and you know recognizing too that it's not necessarily about the beer the beer can benefit from just having a real kick-ass event that's going to be fun and beer just gets associated like the example you just get i'm looking at this beautiful sunset and i'm enjoying this delicious beer that the same we're doing events that have that exact same approach yep. um, and I think that's brilliant and a shout out too to the guys at Moondog for an incredible event and a shout out to regular listener and one of our Radio Brews News Facebook group fans Sarah Gall who posted and, and is a massive massive uh, wrestling fan uh, posted a, a pint or, or a schooner of uh, sour with the, the ring in the background and it was just the best photo because this is just like none of these elements should you know five years ago we would have said no way would you have you know a, a wrestling a pro wrestling event in a brewery <laughs> and that we'd be serving sours among other you know beer so well and, done. And, and it's exciting and, and just on that um I, I before i came to cold melbourne i was up in tropical north queensland <laughs> uh, drinking beer in cans not in cans Although there was some of that. Cairns. Um, for the first ever Cairns Craft Beer Festival um, over the weekend, uh, hosted by Hemingways. And it, that was a fascinating thing because Cairns is a very hot um, climate. I love the way you just mentioned the weather and then Zoe went and got a, a scarf. <laughs> got a scarf. It's, just, it's Melbourne in autumn, folks. It's, it's all about layers. Um, but yeah, and you know, it, it's been a, a real struggle for, for so many reasons because you know, the, the peak drink, drinking season elsewhere in Australia is over summer. Over there... It's not because no one goes out. You know, they had three weekends um, where they had over a metre of rain on the weekend. Um, you know, it's a wet season for a reason, but it's also, you know, 137% humidity. So, you, you know, um, and so they're just coming into their, their season now. But um, the, the tastes are very much about refreshment. And so when you've got craft beer and you're trying to model yourself on something that is different to the beer from up here... Um, it can be a bit of a challenge when you're offering flavour. But isn't that very much like the the regionality of, and let's use Germany as an example, you know, 22 kilometres, you've got Kölsch and you've got Altbier. Yep. Because that's just how, that's the way we do it here. Hmm. 
And it's very, very similar. I don't, I don't think we need to sort of see... And perhaps uh, sours, tart beers, Berliner Weiss, would, I, I think, would work beautifully in, uh, in, the, in the tropics, I, I, but maybe not, you know, a, a big-ass black well, I'll, IPA. I'll tell you what, uh, as I sat there, I tried a couple of beautiful beers from a, a couple of beers, and they're, they're really targeting. Um, each brewery had a slightly different beer that was targeted at that, envi- you know, at that environment. The, the beer of the year was the um, McAllister Tropical Blonde, I think it was um, lovely uh, light blonde beer, um, but then at the same time uh, at Hemingway's, I had their uh, Belgian blonde that was just beautiful. Like it was, a, I, I think you've got to go a long way to convince a um, great Northern drinker that that's a, a great beer, but it was just sensational. Um, but more importantly, it was just they had three thousand people through. They weren't sure it was the first time they'd held it. They had no idea how it was going to go. And uh, I, was, I was sitting there with Tony, one of the owners, and he was just, you know, just so of, pumped. Of Hemingways. Um, they hosted it. In, they've got a beautiful big venue. They hosted all of the um, well, the, the other four brewers um, in, in the region. They put them up. The, the brewers got 100% of the, the beers the that they sold. Yep. Um, so Hemingway's really did a lot to, is doing a lot to, to build the, the area up there. And it was really exciting to see. Um, you know, there was a full spectrum of ages. There was a full spectrum of, well, the full, there were men and women. <laughs> um, you know, there, there we were, got both kinds. But, but it wasn't just, you know, um, there, there were a few bintang um, t-shirts, t-shirts yeah, no. or singlets. A lot of thongs, but it was a really, really great um, event to see, and uh, you know, really interesting to uh, to see how beer is an event like that is really going to kick it along. And uh, you know, I caught up with Steve Chan, who has the Cairns Beer Thread, manages the Cairns Beer Thread on Facebook yep, up there. Yep. Um, a, a beer writer up there called uh, BJ from uh, Barefoot Drinker. Um, it was interesting to get their insights into. Um, to the market and you know they're they a little bit I think they're a little bit frustrated being advanced drinkers that they can't get the beers that they want but it's one of those creep up you know when there's demand for it you'll see more beers when you see more beers you'll create more demand for it and we are starting to see that you know positive correlation between interest demand and, and supply and they've got some great breweries up there. Very good now speaking of uh, you use the word sensation and uh, I think that leads us nicely into our first headline uh, Brewdog Brouhaha we now we've broken our pact already. I oh, know I'm not. We're not going to talk about, brew, but they just make it so hard for us not to. I now I, I did post a little story in the thread last weekend. Something came up in my thread, you know, in in my news feed. Um, I've subscribed to all of the news feeds, and there was Brewdog announces, and then the very next line was Brewdog accused of, and I thought, why aren't I surprised? And so I just posted that little thing in the Facebook and thought, okay, we're not going to talk about it this week. We'll share it on the Facebook. And just for those, um, if you haven't signed up yet or if you have and you haven't answered the question, uh, go to our Facebook group, uh, Radio Brews News. Radio Brews News on Facebook, yeah. And answer, the question. the answer to the question is soapbox. soapbox the secret yeah. word, if you, if you don't want to join us, it's just a place that we can continue some of these discussions. But there's some really good, yeah, I guess getting into that, that next level of discussion yeah. and people throwing some interesting things in. And, and a direct feedback, which we can't get being in a weekly podcast exactly yeah. so, so, so that's great it's no you're not necessarily missing anything if you're not but you know it's, it's a great place to join in um but yeah so and so i just posted it and then it just steamrolled on it just went on and i don't want to go into it too much um but seeing we've got zoe here um i was really interested because for those who may have not caught up on the news um a public or a marketing agency um 
sent out a tweet accusing BrewDog of having um, taken some of the ideas that they'd pitched to them and said, we don't want to use your ideas, aka we don't want to pay you for them. But then that same idea was executed a slightly different way um, in, in BrewDog's latest advertising campaign that then brought a, um, a, a flood of other people saying the same thing including a, a, a lady in the US who applied for the marketing role um, with BrewDog America and had to go through what can fairly be described as a bit of an ordeal you know four or five interviews had to do a complete marketing plan had to do you know an execution and things and then in her words they ghosted her um, they, I don't think they even contacted her so they and got it. They didn't reimburse her for the fares that they said that they would. Um, in frustration, she sent them an itemised uh, account um, for her time for it all and just sort of said, look, you know, um, this is basically to show how much and I retain copyright um, for all the intellectual property that I gave you during this, this process. That you have subsequently used. Yeah. And uh, so, so that, that's the, the story. There's a lot of back and forth on both sides. But the thing that I was interested in um, getting from Zoe was in terms of crisis management. Brewdog has barely even acknowledged it. James uh, has James Watt has been liking a whole lot of positive tr- tweets, not responding to any criticism, but then tweeted a fairly unreflective um, excerpt from uh, the, the wine marketer who, who applied, and I. I don't know, Zoe, they just seem to me to be the Donald Trumps of the beer world where they know what their base is, they can just pitch at that, they don't care what everybody else thinks, but they just, you know, either they can't read the room, as somebody said on Twitter, I'm trying to think of who that was, um, or they just don't care because they know that they are going to find appeal to their particular brand of brashness. Yeah, there's definitely two sides of this to me. Um, First, getting back to the original um, issue... I guess to put um, non-marketing folk some perspective down for them, um, in a role with when I was working for like Little Creatures or Mountain Goat, we would build a marketing strategy. It would take several months um, and that's with the full resources of a dedicated insights team internally, all the data and market research that you have um, you know, it's a very extensive sales team. Like you, you're probably in the best position with the most amount of information to write a marketing strategy, and it does take three or four months. So to then ask people to do this as part of a job interview with no resources and data information, with the pressure of having a job on the end of it and a very prestigious, high profile in terms of marketing, you know, that's a that's at the pinnacle kind of thing. Um, is, astound- is astounding. I am aware that um, I think practices here in Australia are quite different. I've got friends um, who have moved to London to follow their wine careers and they've had to do similar things where they've had to um, write up a business strategy as part of their job interview and I remember just being astounded at the time. Um, they never went through anything like this where it was you have to write a marketing strategy and then you have to write a social media strategy and if you were to launch a product, how would you... like? The, this is really, really intensive um, to then yeah, drag it out over several months. To me, it was just a complete abuse of power. Like you, When someone's applying for a job, 
to me, job interviews have always gone both ways, but it is always the interviewer or the business that does have the upper hand. Like at the end of it, you've I'm got... I'm the one with the job to hand over. Yeah, you've yeah. got to prove to me that you're exactly. the best category. This, from an outsider's point of view, just seems to be shopping for ideas rather than shopping for... A candidate. An, a candidate. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't just one person and maybe it was a misunderstanding, but as soon as this went... Um, got tweeted out that several agencies then went, hang on, we need to take this offline because this happened to me as well. I think, I th- one, that's just appalling. That is absolutely terrible business um, ethics. Um, but then to extend on what Matt was saying, just about the arrogance afterwards, um, th- I think the tweet that James sent out really purposely threw Fetcher on the fire. Like, but it was, was that... He, it- I took that as him saying, right, the best form of defence is attack. It was, but it so was I'm very... So I'm going to get on the front foot. It was doctored. Like, and I, that was the bit, I mean, I can, this is where I can relate to what Matt's saying about Trump, is that what James tweeted was the, a, a cut or an um, edited picture of the invoice. Of the invoice, yep. And then the lady that actually sent it was able to immediately go, well, hang on, no, here's the full, full page... And prove hit, like it's completely different perspective and so story. James's point of view was the cheek. Has anyone ever yeah, else ever had yeah, somebody exactly. s- send an invoice the, for attending an interview? Yeah. And the internet went mad because like I just did this. Like it was almost a bit like I'm on on the victim here. And then immediately, yeah, the um, applicant was like, no, no, here's the full one, and it's got there. It you know, opened the floodgates on Pandora's can of hornet's worms because all of a sudden everyone had a, a similar story. Yeah, and it's his actions were able to be disputed and proven wrong like immediately and he must have known that like if you doctored something that's not yours in the first place that's not your original content you know the original stuff can come out and the truth's going to be shown so there's clearly some arrogance in that that you just so to Matt's point is that almost part of the that that the punk ideology the punk philosophy of well this is just that's anarchy that's the way we're going to do it yeah uh, to to me and and our base to Matt's point our base that's what they love. Yeah. We don't, like, we're not trying to win you over because you're not going to drink our beer anyway. Yep. Yeah. And then following it on Twitter, a lot of the comments of support weren't, they weren't actually attacking the cause. It wasn't becoming a us versus them. It was just like, go, yeah, go Brewdog. Yeah, go Punk. Still my favourite beer. Like, it was just support messages. It wasn't actually, um, I guess, sometimes when you see, you know, whether it be beer or politics or climate change or anything it starts to become personal and sides start personally attacking each other where following it on twitter to me it just seemed like a lot of people were just saying don't worry about it you're still my favorite brew dog and yeah that they, they probably have created this little bubble world for them where they maybe do feel a little bit indestructible like they do you know they very much portray themselves as you know the little guys take on the big guys there's in no one's definition can they be called a little guy. Um, you can't have the global you know, presence that they have and the volume that they have to be considered anywhere near little. Um, and they also have the voice and the reach that isn't little either. That you know, they, they have a very power influential um, presence um, in beer, not just in you know in their you know. Um, United Kingdom beer world, it's actually everywhere. But to me, like on one hand, one of the things, yeah, Brewdog make great beer um, and I, I, I admire them for so many things about the way that they've grown a business. And I, I've always been 
um, a little bit perturbed by the brashness of their brand that doesn't, you know, the, the, the positive statements that they make, you know, like radical transparency because they published a cookbook of their um, ingredients, which chefs have been doing their recipes, for, years, yeah. uh, for, 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 for their recipes. And, and, and good on them for doing it. You know, it, it's an awesome thing. But then to go that extra step of saying that it's, unlike anything that's ever been done before and it's radical transparency and we believe in radical transparency and as a working journalist I know from the lack of response I get to any question that I send to them that they're barely transparent let alone radically transparent um, and so it's, it's that hypocrisy but you do constantly see those sorts of things um, and they you know talk about 10% of profits going to their unicorn fund which is to pay their staff you know to, to give their staff bonuses and to me, like, that's sort of, on the one hand, well, isn't that just called paying your staff, you know, <laughs> you know and, and if you give them a percentage of profits, um, and then, you know, to charity. So on some level, they know that the way that they present themselves does matter, um, and they can say these things, but then there's, and it defies any level of scrutiny, and that's where my Trump analogy came from, because you can just say black is white, um, and if you keep saying it in the face of completely can contrasting information um but you know I, I just sort of wonder you know from a marketing point of view do, do you think that this whole thing has harmed them or they can just get away with saying this is what we are and behaving any way they want because people will just believe them from a marketing point of view i think this will just be another blip on their radar i think you know it just it's kind of in their mo now um you know is it going to break the brand are we going to see moondog brew bars shutting down around the world we're not um, from a business point of view, I think the agencies that will be applying to work with them now will be very um, cautious. Yeah, is there a be... brand integrity problem now? Yeah. Where, well... yeah. Um, so from, again, like from, with my perspective on, when we pitch for new work, we do have a disclaimer in that. We spend a lot of time when there's a new potential client or that if we've been asked to go for a certain campaign, um, coming up with ideas, really trying to come up with something creative, something that's really going to help build their brand, grow their reach, grow their awareness, and most importantly... Bring Which in turn reflects well on Totem Marketing yeah, or whoever. Yeah. yeah, and it's that creative or that just... It, it's a lot of hard work. Like you, you might not have anything tangible. It's not like pen to paper or you're building something. But to be coming up with fresh new ideas that are customised for that brand or that client um, and which will ultimately bring them profits because that's what they're measuring the success on. So we always include a, um, yeah, an IP disclaimer in it um, because... It's just too valuable for them to do exactly this, say, well, thanks, but you know, yeah, we can't afford you yeah. or you weren't right. Or, but and, your ideas. And then six <laughs> months later, you like, see a tweak of your idea out there. Like, that's, like, that's us. That's, that's our hard work there. If nothing um, else. And, and like you say, unethical as well, which again yeah. just damages the brand, I guess. Yeah, but when we do that for a, as a business communicating with another business I would never ever think to do that as part of my job interview process um, if I was applying for a job to sit in an interview usually to a group of people in front of me making the decision on my professional fate to go oh by the way before I talk we've, we've got to have an agreement that these like you just that I, you never would be put in no. that position and nor should you have to be um, so yeah I yeah whether it, this will affect BrewDog I severely doubt it um i i think 
it would be more the yeah the business to business side of it rather than the consumer side. I don't think we'll see agencies saying we're not going to work with Brewdog because for a, you know, even if you don't get a major agency that's got principles or just isn't going to waste their time in that process, there are a lot of hungry young agencies that would love the chance to have their ideas stolen by Brewdog because they can then sort of say, hey, we're good enough to have our ideas stolen by Brewdog, and even if they do it for free. So you're always going to see agencies that are willing to step in and work for Brewdog just for the ability to do it. And it's we've seen that a little bit even in the Australian market where Brewdog's done some collaborations with brewers that are probably a little bit apprehensive um, that Brewdog's coming to town because of the competition it's going to be. But when they're asked for the chance to collaborate with them on a beer, they're quite happy to get a little bit of that Brewdog magic dust um, in, in return for the collaboration. They won't stand on their principles um, in that sense. And before we move on to our next story, that brings us to our everyone's favourite weekly segment. How's the Brewdog Brisbane Brewery going? <laughs> Matt, your update. I haven't driven past it for a, a week you, or two. Are, are, you, are you taking to wearing disguises now so the old mate in the high-vis vest and clock you and go, this bloke again, taking photos, what's going on here? Is this a security risk, you know, what's going on? It, um, no, no, I, I haven't checked it out, but it does have, it, it is coming ahead. Um, not as quickly as the photos, but uh, yeah, so... Artist impression, Matt, not photos. Artist, artist impression. Artist impression. But I'm, I'm, I am genuinely looking forward to seeing how it, uh, how it opens. All right. Um, ABI. <sighs> or CUB to... Uh, CUB, uh, ABI, SAB Miller, the artist formerly known as Fosters. And a great opportunity before we introduce this story to introduce the uh, author of that story and Bruce News... Newest, Newest um, member of the family, yeah. Claire Burnett. <laughs> yes, uh, so um, Megan, um, who was hoping to join us this morning, but she was uh, sort of caught up with being quite busy, um, is moving on. She's had a great chance to go overseas. So unfortunately, uh, we're New losing York, New York, no to less. New York. Um, so we, we are losing Megan. Um, but we've gained Claire Burnett, so, who comes to us from, she's recently moved to Australia from the UK and uh, has a background in business journalism, which came in very handy this week. Um, and yeah, so Claire will be joining us uh, in the end, of, uh, the end of this month, full time. Excellent. Uh, Look forward to meeting. Um, and we're, we're having a bit of a catch up and a bit of a, a goodbye. So send in your messages for, for Megan, for our listeners there, you know. Yeah, please do. No, no, but please do. Um, Because I guess we tend to be the the faces through the podcast, um, or the voices, Um, but Megan is the one who... She's keeping the wheels turning as far as the the news uh, website side of things go. Um, So, uh, Claire's first story. Yeah, well, strap yourself in, listeners, um, because I I would refer you to go and read, read the article, because... It's quite a convoluted business story, and I'll keep it as simple as I can. Um, ABI, which a couple of years ago merged with SAB Miller, um, which brought CUB in under their wing. A huge uh, uh, brewing operation, uh, the world's largest brewer, I think. Um, But they've got a debt pile of over $127 billion, and they foreshadowed in their annual report that they wanted to reduce that a little bit and they're doing that by spinning off their Asia-Pacific operations. Splitters. Uh, yeah, so that um, brings in Australia um, and Asia, um, essentially. So India, um, China. They're so they're all going to be listed on the Hong Kong They're forming exchange. a separate but related business. And, and, and <laughs> look, a 450-page document I was reading, um, so that's why they're, they're, there's a lot to, to read. So on one hand, it's a completely separate business. It's going to be listing on the stock exchange. 
they're going to sell something like five million US um, in equity, um, which to me, business journalists might disagree. But to me, it sounds like they're basically equity crowdfunding. Um, by you know, they, they want to raise five million dollars to pay off some debt, um, but they but nothing will change. It's a separate business. They've they want signed, to raise five million dollars. Five billion dollars. Five billion dollars to pay off a some, one hundred and twenty-seven billion well, a portion dollar of loss. It, because yeah. you know. <laughs> couple of cents here. Couple I don't of do a lot of maths and I'm not very good at economics, <laughs> but that doesn't sound like a win-win. Mate, it all adds up. But anyway, but, but the business is worth somewhere between 30 to 40 million US. Um, so they're selling off a portion of it that'll go to paying down debt. But what, how does that affect Australia? Well, whilst it's a separate business, um, they've signed a non-compete clause. They've signed a 25-year deal to license the brands. Um, so we're not going to see any great change at all. Um, but to me, it's it's quite interesting. With James Atkinson, our previous uh, editor, um, what, did a couple of stories about how, for the last couple of years, SAB Miller um, hadn't paid corporate tax because of the way they'd structured the deal. Apparently, the ATO is trying to claw back some of that. But you've essentially got a business that sells a billion dollars worth of beer a year or you know, more, um, and is not paying tax um, because of the way that the deal's structured. And under this new deal, the Australian operations are owned in by a London-based company that is in return held by an island in the Cayman Islands um, that is then in turn owned by AB InBev. Um, and then it's listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which is one of the less transparent. Um, you know, if it's on the Australian Stock Exchange, there's all of these rules. Rules and regs. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's not a huge thing. Um, oh, sorry. It, 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 it is a huge thing, but it's the, the the world of business that may or may not be interested. But the, the thing that really came out is, as part of their four hundred page document, they did talk a little bit about their Australian operations, and they described the Australian brewing market as one of the most profitable in the world. Now, for a business, profit is awesome. From a consumer, that means ouch, because. Um, the lack of competition in the Australian market means that we're paying much more for the same product. Than we could be. Um, as they, uh, they are. And they are in other markets. Yeah, and, and without going on, oh, sorry, and I know that this is going on a little bit, but yesterday out of, the, the, out of Europe, the EU fined um, uh, AB InBev, uh, I'll just call it up on the news feed, they fined um, AB InBev 200 million euros, which is about... $300 million. Um, beer company Anheuser-Busch InBev has been fined for res- restricting cross-border sales between the Netherlands and Belgium, forcing Belgians to pay more for their beer. The company has been under investigation since 2016. The world's largest beer company, um, blah, 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 uh, they found that uh, AB InBev sells its popular brands, Upola and Leffa, at higher prices in Belgium than in France and the Netherlands, where the company has fiercer competition. So in Australia, very little competition. We pay higher prices. And in in, in the UK, this same business has used a lack of competition in two different markets to artificially inflate their... To to inflate, not artificially, inflate their their, their prices. And they've been fined for it. Um, And when this comes back to 10 years ago, uh, when Lion wanted to take over CUB... Our competition and consumer commission. Or Coopers. Uh, Coopers, sorry. Want to take over Coopers, sorry. They probably um, did want to take over CUB, but they, they actually asked did. for Coopers. Um, 
It takes smaller bites. The ACCC found that lions swallowing coopers would have led to no substantial lessening of competition, and they they found it. And so we're actually we've got a few questions going into the ACCC going well. Hold on, you've got these guys cock a hoop going about how profitable our market is, which is because of the lack of competition. What are you guys doing? All about the more it? reason to drink independent Australian beer, yeah. so that we can grow that market and actually create genuine competition. Yep. Um, and, and because look, as I say, we we can't compete on price, or they can't compete on price, but they certainly can compete on quality, on flavour, uh, on I don't know, yeah. brand, good, feel good. Yep. And, and and look, when when people say to me, why is craft beer so expensive? Um, and you talk about the number of jobs created per million litres, you know, the inefficiencies, which people don't really care about on one level, except it makes you feel good that you're supporting a local business. Yeah, but I, I tell you, Uncle Dan's, and, and you're seeing a stack of, of cases at $54 versus $90. Or, or even more. But if, if craft beer, like if a Little Creatures Pale Ale is $65 a carton when they've got the you know, awesome beer, but when them charging $65 in a craft brewery's, you know, like Stone and Wood is $75, the question for me isn't why is Stone and Wood so expensive? It's why isn't furfy and frothy yeah, and... Why are they so cheap? Um, and it comes down to the lack of competition, you know, and we want bigger... We, we want our small brewers to grow bigger to provide some competition. And read uh, Claire's story for uh, far more detail than we can and, and want to get into now. Mailbag. Uh, and just because we are on the road, we do have uh, we, we don't have full access to to all of it. We our have had some great feedback, uh, and I think the the Facebook group, uh, the Facebook page group, is working really well yep. in terms of getting a lot of that information, being able to ask questions, finding things that pop up in your in your own feed, and sort of saying, "Have you guys seen this?" Or you know, "What what are, what do people think about this?" And it's not just, "Oh, here's a great new beer," or "Here's a great new venue." Um, our listeners really seem to be utilising the page for what we designed it for, which was to get into the, the stories, the information, the, the underlying And, and having a bit of a chat. And also bringing having to our voice. attention a whole lot of things um, that, you know, again, we cast a fairly wide eye over the, the market, but we don't see everything because we don't monitor every uh, news feed. Um, so it's great. So as, as a source of story leads, um, it, it's, it's worked out brilliant. The one thing I will ask our, our listeners, Prof, because you know um, I, I need to go to some of these social media for, for brewery, brewing industry. I think there's a, a trade panel on tomorrow. <laughs> but we set, it, we set it up thinking that people who are listening now, um, if they were interested, um, could go to Facebook and ask to join, say Soapbox, so we knew that they were a listener, not that it's a you know, end of the argument if they, they don't. Um, and join in. But then we've had some of our listeners inviting 10 or 15 people. Um, oh, who and, may not necessarily be listeners. Yeah, and, and look, again, listeners, tell me how you use um, your Facebook groups because I know that I've been invited, invited to join backyard beer barons or, you know, um, bye-bye people and not knowing where it came from and then uh, joined, thought, well, th- this is actually something that I want to be part of and opted out. So... Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see the number of people that were inviting their, their mates. I wasn't sure whether that is seen as spam by their mates or, or not. So, um, yeah. So, like I say, it's not necessarily, you don't have to be a listener. You don't have to be a listener. But it's just that that's where, that's the genesis of the idea was to sort of to give our listeners direct feedback. That yeah. little bit more. Uh, but it kind of makes sense. There, there are a million other great Facebook groups if you want to discuss 
yeah, you know, the beer. Yeah, if somebody um, if somebody was to join and they're not a listener, they're not going to miss out. No. They're still going to get great information. And if you're a listener and you don't join, you're not going to miss out. You still get the podcast. Yeah. But it was just... And that, we'll still uh, let you in if you, if you don't answer the question. Yeah, which it's just sort of like box, a chat room, not a real-time chat room for, for the podcast. So, yeah, so look, again, if you want to invite people, um, that, that's a great way for people to discover the podcast, I guess. Great marketing. But, yeah, um, it, it's probably going to be most used to them. Um, do, do, do you think that there, there is a potential, Zoe, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask for some free marketing advice here. You can send me the invoice later. Um, invoicing closed, mate. <laughs> invoicing closed. Um, but as a business owner, would you suggest that sometimes you can spam people you know, by, by being very aggressive with your social media sharing that sometimes it can have a counterproductive effect? Yeah, you do have to find that balance. Um, and again, it's about just understanding who your customers are. So there are definitely brands out there that will post once a day, and but that's w- what their customers expect from them. Um, for other brands, once a week might be more appropriate. Um, and it's not just social media, it's your like EDMs, your electronic news um, uh, newsletters that you send out. Again, it'd be appropriate for say, um, yeah, like media outlets might do a weekly wrap-up and you get one every Friday um, as a brewery you might be better off doing it once a month or once a season um, so if it's you, not if necessarily you've got news and content that's that, what I was makes say, it if you've got something to say that's fair yeah. enough but if it's if oh, doing well, it we, we put something out it. every Friday so just put yeah. something out yeah and I, I guess the easiest check on that is just to reverse it around like what do you like like doing do you like getting yeah, emails and sponsored ads on Facebook for stuff that you're just so sick of seeing well is that my behaviour now or am I actually putting something worthwhile out there? But no, it is finding that balance about what's right. And, and that's been something that we've always grappled with at Brews News because we do potentially put out a daily EDM, which um, is a lot of content. Um, we, we don't cover stories. We don't put an EDM out unless there have been stories that day. If, um, but then because we go out every day, you know, we, there's a high potential to make get people tired so our edm has always been seen as an industry intelligence source um people you know consumers listeners um if they want to keep abreast of what's happening maybe follow us on facebook or you know twitter um so you can see all of our content in multiple channels but the daily edm is a way for brewing industry professionals to see what we're doing on on a day-to-day basis but then you know we, we are a business we sell a limited amount of um advertising and my biggest challenge um, in, in the business is trying to manage the perceptions of or trying to manage the expectations for advertisers because we do have this I, I think it's one of the most valuable industry lists in the country because our EDM list um, we, we don't market it we don't have one of those pop-ups um, on our website sign into our list which I find a, a turn off and so I don't want to do that but at the same time we want to say to advertisers look the reason that you get a response when you go out in our EDM is because we really protect our readers' interests. Um, and so they, you know, we, we have a really strong relationship of trust with them. Um, and advertisers put so much pressure on, well, this is what we want. We want a dedicated EDM. And it's just not worth it if we're burning through our listeners. Actually, Prof, um, and while we're just to finish off that thought about, you know, how hard it is, we do have great advertisers who trust us with their brands, um, like uh, Rallings, Labels, Packaging and Stickers. What do they do, Matt? Mate, they, they do small batch printing. They can do large batch printing as well, but they can do small batch uh, printing that if you've got a small run or, and you want your cans done, you don't want to go to the expense of getting your big um, buy done. 
they can tailor and they'll hold them for you until you need them. So well, that a- answered my next question because I don't want them all at once. I haven't got room in my loading bay. I'm playing <laughs> beer Tetris as it is. 1-800-825-325. That might be wrong. This is why... Go, go back to previous... I know those numbers... Go to the show right, notes. might not be it in the right in the order. They will, it will be in the show notes. Yeah, and I'll we're on what, the road. We don't the have The first person who can prove Prof wrong on that, so they drive everybody to the show notes, so a bit of value for our advertiser. If Prof was wrong on that, let us know and we will send you a bonus six-pack. Anyway, uh, and thank, we, we do thank Rallings uh, for their support of the podcast. Done. All our letter writers, of course, Matt, will receive a... Beautiful six pack from Bruce. our other uh, great oh, again somebody else Bruce who makes no blade. demands on us. Um, they just sponsor um, in return for having. Um, they they love they we love that they support us and I think they love supporting us. Beer as cartel, well. yes, so absolutely. beer cartel, our very good friends at beer cartel. Um, so uh, Chris H sent in a, a letter. Hi team, I'm a beer lover and a home brewer, but not actively involved in the beer industry other than being a consumer. I've noticed in some local craft beer bars recently that the variety of choice is limited. One recent visit uh, to a favoured bar of mine that has maybe 25 beer taps, of these there was a sour, a stout, a wheat beer and two, inverted commas, light lagers. The remainder was made up of variations of hoppy pale ales, IPAs, neepers, hazy IPAs, red IPA, hazy pale, red IPAs. Um, sorry, little wink emoticon. Um, I like an IPA, but I feel a little disappointment that there is a limited choice. Limited is a relative term, as when I started exploring beer, Redback Bitter and Little Creatures Pale were about the best I could find um, in find them. Enjoy the show. Zoe, how hard... You'd, I, 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 for, for me, I've got preferences for what taps I like to see when I go into a venue um, and based on my own choice. But I guess that's up to every business who's going to find their market. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's we're kind of seeing that balance out now where I think there were venues out there where they were definitely picking the beers for them and not necessarily their customers. Um, and we have seen that changing with the craft beer growing. Um, so there'll be less of the um, international premiums and the mainstream lagers and swapping them slowly over to even just a pale ale, which down the track might become a red ale or a sour. Or, um, so it is about the venues understanding what their customer wants um, and it might not necessarily be the same as what the, what they would like to see on it. But, you know, that's their role in education and introducing people to that next step on. Um, you know, if you, if you buy, if you know one of your regulars is always buying um, or, or happy trying different pale ales, give them a taste of an IPA that's just that next step up or, um, you know, I think there's a great opportunity there for venue operators to um, play a larger role in the education um, and bringing new people into the craft beer world. Couldn't agree more. And uh, a lot of the feedback from a lot of the brewers who were up here and particularly AIBA judges because it was that we were invited here for the launch party at, at Beer Deluxe last Friday to kick uh, Good Beer Week 2019 off. And admiration for the the offering that's only on during Good Beer Week, but it's not markedly different from, from what they do apart from the contracted beers that they would have outside of this. But you look at how, where physically, where the environment, where Beer Deluxe is positioned in terms of a jumping off point for, you go, we, we'll pop in here with the kids because we know we can get a good feed, I can get a, a decent glass of wine for Mrs Pilsner and I can get something that I'm, I'm going to enjoy. And then we're over to the art centre for a comedy festival show or a concert. We're over to any, you know, the MCG, Amy Park, wherever it might be, walking down along Birrarungma and, and along the river. So many th- it's such, such a central jumping off point. There's really not any competition. Um, previous competition that was sort of similar sort of size and offering has kind of 
gone back a little bit and then not too far away in any of the, the side streets, the laneways, the little burks, you know, wherever it might be, there are plenty of small bars like the ones that you've been popping in and out of that. But this, I think, is unique. And we talked about before about having no competition. I, I think this joint really needs to um, take advantage of, of the, the lack of competition that they've, that they've got and have this sort of beer list all year round. There's still the Carlton Draft uh, unpasteurised uh, tank beer downstairs. It's just it's there if you want it, but it's it's not for Good Beer Week, I, I assume. It's not on the on the tap list. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of understanding your um, consumer base because Beer Deluxe, you know, they've spent many many years establishing their craft credentials here, and we're probably putting on challenging beers way before the market was like they were Ready the ones really breaking yeah. the ground. But then they are recognising that they are next to the art centre and the MCG and there are going to be people that just want I just Plenty want of corporates. Used to. You see the yeah. suits at between four and five yeah. on a Friday afternoon if you're in here you'll see them and then the same thing you'll see uh, seven different uh, you know, you'll see Melbourne Victory you'll see Melbourne Storm you'll see Richmond Tigers or Hawthorne Hawks you'll see scarves you'll see hoodies and that sort of thing all coming in have a beer have a feed go off to, to the various games and it's great that there is something there for, for yeah. everyone. It's good it's, and that's just what makes beer beer and it's not yeah, I, I, I love that. Exactly. And that's just a perfect note to uh, finish on. Thank you very much to all of our supporters for, for um, Beer Cartel, Rellings Labels and Stickers and, of course, Cryo Malt, who, since this thing has started, Matt, have been great supporters of us with, um, with no real justification, it's fair to say. Until recently, I think we've kind of hit our straps lately and we're giving them some great value. But, but that's where, you know, we're, we're very fortunate and I don't want to be sort of ringing the... Um you know, that Alan Jones bell um, too often in, in the one episode, but we're, we're incredibly fortunate to have uh, sponsors that get what we do and they don't do it just for saying what's in it for us, but, you know, what they, they see value in what we do for the industry and they're investing in the industry and that's why, hopefully, um, you know, the, the businesses that listen to us will uh, support them in return. That's it. Uh, so thanks very much to you, our loyal listeners. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up with us on australianbrewsnews.com.au for all the, the written stories. You can also get this podcast. You can download it from the website. Uh, and then there's also the Australian, uh, the Radio Brews News Facebook group, yes. which you are more than welcome to join. Over 100. We've got 150 or nearly 200. Already, uh, yeah. Already. So it's, it's really kicking off. Obviously, you, know, you guys like what we do. So thank you for that. And a special thanks to Matt Kierkegaard. Thank you very much, Prof. Enjoy the rest of Good Beer Week. And a very extra special thanks to Zoe Ottaway from Totem Marketing. My pleasure as always. Thanks very much again for looking after us last week, Zoe. And it's great that we can uh, do the the old face-to-face, even though it's it's coffee and iced water, uh, because it is a little bit early. We're just about to start our our trade panel discussion. Next time, promise, it'll be beers. (laughs) Thanks very much, guys. And we'll see you all again next episode. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover, because beer is a conversation.